Thank you for blessing us, speaking to us, Father. We thank you that it's your plan and desire, Lord, every single time, without a single exception, that you desire for every person on earth to live a life free from sickness and disease. And so, Father, we thank you for that. Uh, your word declares it to be so. Uh, your character declares it to be so. And we thank you for these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, let's open up our Bibles to the book of uh, Romans chapter 6. We'll get started there today. Uh, and so uh, in this chapter, uh, Dr. Yeomans is talking about the origin of, of sickness. Uh, and so uh, you really can't talk about the origin of sickness without talking about the origin of sin because there was no sickness until sin arrived uh, and there was no death until sin arrived. And so, uh, in fact, uh, we're there in Romans chapter 6. If you turn back over to just chapter 5, it says in verse 12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so and so death passed upon uh, all men, so that all have sinned. So uh, sin entered into the world. It was not created as part of the world. It entered into the world, and it entered the world by one man. So it didn't just come in on its own. You know, uh, Satan didn't just show up and start uh, committing sin in the earth. Uh, he had to get the permission of the authority in the earth in order to get onto the earth. Uh, and so who was the authority of the earth at the time of creation? Uh, Adam was, right? Uh, God said, uh, Adam, uh, have dominion over the what? Over the earth, right? So there was no place on earth that Adam did not have dominion. He had authority in all of the earth. And uh, anything that happened, happened or didn't happen on his watch and, and uh, according to his uh, permission. Uh, and so that's, that's why the enemy had to do uh, what he did through the work of the serpent was he had to convince uh, Adam to relinquish his authority so that he could operate freely in the earth. And that's, of course, that's what they did through the uh, eating of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Uh, and so sin entered into the world by one man. And so notice it doesn't say by one woman. Of course, we know if we do a little research that... Uh, uh, that this, this man here is talking about Adam and not talking about uh, just uh, mankind in general. Uh, and so, because Adam was the authority in the earth. And so, uh, it's really all Adam's fault. And so, you know, a lot of people say it was Eve's fault, but the Bible says Eve was deceived. Uh, and where was Adam during all this point in time, right? Where was Adam during, uh, their, during this exchange? Uh, and so, uh, sin entered in the world because Adam's uh, allowance of it uh, he allowed it to come into the earth. And once sin entered into the world, so sin is missing God, right? Sin is missing the mark. That's the definition of sin. So uh, sin is, is not the goal of the enemy. Sin is, is the pathway to the ultimate goal of the enemy, which is to kill uh, all the creation of mankind. Uh, and so his goal was not just to cause mankind to sin. His goal was to kill mankind by them operating in sin. Uh, and the Lord had, had warned them about that. In the day that thou shalt eat it, thou shalt surely die. Uh, and um, it seems to me that, uh, you know, they didn't ask enough questions. So when you say die, what do you really mean by that? Because they didn't really have a concept of death, just like they didn't have a concept of good and evil. Now, we have concepts of death because we've all experienced it in our lives and people that we know that have passed on. Uh, but, you know, Adam and Eve, they were fairly naive in a sense that they didn't know good and evil. They didn't, they, everything was good. You know, there was no concept of bad. 
there was no concept of death or the end of, of or cessation of life. They had no concept of that. Uh, and so um, if you, if you uh, research the, uh, the Hebrew uh, words there, when it says, in the day that I shall eat it, I shall surely die, uh, that's really a progressive uh, word there, which means in dying, thou shalt die. Uh, and so uh, I think what happened, you know, this is a bit of my opinion, but I think what happened when Eve took the first bite of that fruit and she didn't cease to exist immediately, Adam thought, well, I guess maybe the Lord didn't really mean that, right? And, and um, you know, there was no lightning strikes and no earthquakes opening up and nothing seemed really to happen, you know, it just she ate it and, uh, and, um, uh, and so then uh, he thought, well, I guess it's okay then if I try some. Um, so uh, you ever had people do that? You know, this is gross, you know, why don't you try some of this, right? Uh, and and uh, well, that's kind of the way it was with Adam and Eve. You know, he kind of let Eve take the lead on that. She didn't die, so I thought. So he thought, well, you know, I don't want her to to get all the knowledge of good and evil. I'm gonna, I want to participate in that too. So uh, since she didn't die, then I'm gonna take some of it too. But uh, but what happened was, as soon as they they missed God and walked outside of His will, they were separated from the life of God. And dying, thou shalt die. So they died spiritually immediately uh, by missing God. And then it took 900 and something years because there was no sin and death in the earth at that time. So it took 900 and uh, roughly 30 years for Adam uh, for the devil to figure out, well, how do I kill this body that was created by God? Uh, and so it took him nearly a thousand years to figure that out. He's gotten really good at uh, doing it nowadays. But, uh, you know, when he first started out, he didn't know how to kill uh, this body that was created by God. Uh, and so... So there was, you know, there's a lot of things that went on because of that. And now, of course, we suffer in that. And, you know, why didn't God deal with it immediately? And why didn't God just wipe it all out and start over again? And um, uh, in fact, I think it was Dr. Dufresne, Dr. Ed Dufresne had asked the Lord about that. Why didn't you just, you know, there was only two of them, right? Just wipe those two out, start back over. And he said, that's what abortionists do. You know, he said, I'm not an abortionist. And so, well, I'm upset about that, right? So, um, uh, but then the Lord, you know, spent the next thousands of years working out the plan of redemption and culminated in the arrival of the Lord Jesus. And so so uh, here, sin and death go together, right? Sin entered the world and death by sin. And sickness is the great tool of death. And so uh, we're in chapter five there, if you go over to chapter six, it says at the end of chapter six, then that for the wages of sin is death. But the but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Uh, and so uh, if people sin long enough, you know, they will die. Amen. That goes for the world. That goes for the church. Uh, uh, I do think sometimes that people use this verse uh, very uh, loosely in the sense that if, if you commit the smallest infraction, you're going to immediately die. Uh, and of course, that doesn't happen, especially in the age of grace. There seems to be a, a, a long suffering with the Lord because of the work of the Lord Jesus. Uh, but um, uh, left unchecked, this is the ultimate uh, end game of all sin, right? It will cause you to leave this earth early. Uh, and that, uh, that goes for the, uh, the world as well as for the church. The, the context of this verse, though, is really just talking about salvation itself. Uh, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, but those two go together. Sin and death always go together. And so a lot of times Christians think, well, there's no consequences of sin. I can just sin. And, and at some point in time, I will ask the Lord to forgive me. Uh, and, you know, uh, the Lord will forgive you. 
But number one, if that's your plan, then I would have to question your salvation because part of your salvation experience was you were supposed to declare him as your Lord, which means I choose to allow somebody else to run my life, right? The Lord is supposed to declare him as your Lord and confess through the mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead. Those are the only two requirements for salvation. And uh, if you confess that God raised Jesus from the dead, but you're not planning on making him Lord, then did you really meet the qualifications to get saved? Uh, you know, I mean, that's uh, I'm not anybody's judge. But if you tell me I'm not planning on letting on having the Lord be my Lord at, at all in my life, then I then I would wonder whether you really met the qualifications of salvation. Amen. Uh, and so. So uh, uh, but in this case, the wages of sin is death. So uh, uh, in uh, in all the experience of humanity, then that's been the case that uh, as humanity sins, then humanity dies. And if somebody could live a life without sin, then they could live a life without death because uh, the, the wages of sin is death. So if you have never committed a sin, then you're really technically never able to die. And that's really one, uh, one thing that happened with the Lord Jesus. When he came on the earth, uh, he would have lived forever if, uh, if he hadn't gone to the cross because since he never sinned, then there was no judgment for that sin that would cause death to come into his life. And so technically, in fact, the Bible calls him... Uh, uh, an Adam, right? It calls him Adam as well because he was made like Adam. He was made with a body that was not subject to death uh, like ours is. Uh, and so he had the capacity to live forever if he wanted to. Uh, but uh, he also did have, just like Adam and Eve had, he had the capacity to sin, right? Everybody has a free choice. Uh, it's not a failure of creation that causes you to sin. It's a failure of choice. So God didn't, didn't make you flawed with the ability to sin he made you free with the ability to choose to sin uh, and so uh, so the wages of sin is death so you know the, the, uh, in this area you know I think a lot about this and, and I meditate on these things because uh, for me just thinking about uh, if you step back and kind of look at the big picture uh, and look at the whole counsel of God it seems as though that uh, anytime a sin is committed and an infraction against the Lord is committed, that that sin has to be judged. Uh, the Lord doesn't just overlook it. He just doesn't, well, you know, they were having a bad day. Uh, because of who God is and that, he, that he's perfectly just, that means every sin has to be judged. Uh, and, uh, of course, we know because of the work of the Lord Jesus that he took the judgment for those sins so we're not required to take the judgment for the sins, although sometimes people do, you know, uh, you know, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to, you know, I want to die and go to hell where all the fun people go. Right. Uh, that's really dumb and ignorant. But um, uh, but uh, all sin, no matter who commits it, no matter when they committed it, no matter how often they committed it, all sin has to be judged. And as intelligent people, if we could understand that. Uh, we're not required to pay for the judgment of our sins because Jesus has done that. All we have to do is receive the forgiveness for those sins and then we're good. Um, and uh, that's an area that's really hard and for some people to accept because some people say when you, when you preach that or teach that, that you're giving people a license to sin. Uh, and I, you know, I think that really shows uh, a very short-sightedness on the desires of people who love God. Most people who love God desire to serve God. They're not trying to sin every way they can. Uh, you, on occasion, you'll get some rebellious people who are always trying to find out some way to sin. 
but the only way that we get access to the the uh, redemption of God, the the the, uh, the payment for our sins, is by repentance. Even as a church, as a Christian people, if we sin, we must repent in order to receive. Uh, the forgiveness of that sin, right? The, the pardoning of that sin because the judgment has been paid for, but still, until we receive that, it's still uh, unchecked, right? It's still out there in your life. Uh, and the, it will have to be addressed at some point in time. And every time we sin, uh, you know, and we know the verses there in Ephesians and, and uh, James and First Peter, uh, primarily in Ephesians where it says, uh, do not give place to the devil. So every time you sin, you give place or license to the devil to operate in your life. Because as a Christian, he has no license to operate in your life because he no longer has authority in the earth. Uh, so in order for him to operate in your life freely, you have to give him license to do that. You do that by committing some infraction against the Lord and stepping out from under the will of God and stepping onto the, the territory of the devil. And you give license for the devil to operate in your life. Now, that doesn't mean that everything that's ever bad ever happened to you is because you're a horrible person and you've done something wrong. The devil is a criminal, right? He does operate in a, as a criminal element in the earth, and he will try to uh, bring things like sickness and disease uh, upon the lives of innocent people. Uh, and if they don't know any better, if they don't know that they have a right to stand against the sin or stand against the sickness and disease, many times they'll accept it. And the devil thinks, well, I've got one over on them. So, uh, you know, the devil will either operate by your permission, by your uh, actions in life that are outside the will of God, or he will operate as a criminal element in your life uh, and try to try to uh, bring sickness or death into your life uh, and hope that you accept it. And how many Christians are accepting of sickness and disease? How many Christians are accepting of death? Well, you just never know when your time's up. You know, that's accepting of death. I think my Bible says that with long life, he'd satisfy me. And show me his salvation. So I don't have to accept death until it's time for me to, to leave this earth. Uh, and so, uh, but if you sin, then you've given license to the devil to operate in your life. And many times people's lives will be cut short because of the sin that they operate in. Uh, but they can still ask for forgiveness and kind of get back to where they were uh, to some extent uh, and, and do away with the consequences of that sin. Uh, and, and that's the part that people say you're giving people the license to sin. But I didn't write the Bible. Either 1 John 1, 9 is true or it's not true. Either he said that you confess your sins and he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Or he didn't say that, but he did say that. Uh, and so, uh, I mean, I, you know, you can go through all the scriptures and there's nowhere that says uh, that you have a free license to sin as much as you want to. In fact, everything, in, uh, even in the New Testament, is a warning against sin. Because again, if you sin, then you give license to the devil. And what will he do with that license? Well, he may put sickness and disease on you. He may try to, to kill you with some germ or virus. He may try to kill you on your car. He may try to kill you just, you know, uh, uh, an aneurysm, just some crazy, you know, thing that just nobody saw coming. Uh, he will do whatever he can to try to kill you if he can. That doesn't mean we should live in fear because... We've got the power of God living on the inside of us. We have the spirit of God living, living on the inside of us. Amen. Uh, and so we don't walk in fear uh, by that. Really, and if you want to stay uh, in the best location, just don't sin every day. Amen. That's, that's the easiest thing not to do. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, so but, but because of sin, 
then sin uh, brought death into the world and death operates in any way that it can find. You know, like I said, either through sickness and disease is a very common way that death operates uh, through killing people, through accidents and things like that. Uh, then he say in the Old Testament that he'd make our feet like hinds feet, right? Uh, and that he'd keep us in all our ways lest we dash our foot against a stone. Uh, and so how many accidents have people had uh, over the years that ended their life? And yet the Bible says that he would protect us, you know, uh, even in those areas to watch over us, that he gave his angels charge over us. So would the angels just blink for a second or something? Or did the angels not, are they not doing their job? Or, you know, what's the deal, right? What, why, why are people dying uh, when these angels are here working on our behalf? Um, and, you know, I think it goes back to, well, I don't think, I mean, if you go through the word of God, it goes back to, uh, when the Lord left the earth, he transferred his authority to back to the church through the name of Jesus. Right. Uh, he said, in my name, go, go into all the world. So we go in in the name of Jesus throughout the world. And it's an area that people don't really understand as much as they should, because in most Christians, when you talk to them, most Christians live a life of, you know, que sera, sera, you know, whatever will be, will be, just, you know, just if it comes my way, I guess uh, that's just my lot in life to bear. And we're very passive in our lives and we're very just, you know, well, if it, you know, uh, if it comes, you know, it's not really much you can do about, it. you know, you can't you just can't keep people. You can't keep it from happening. Right. You just never never know when your time's up. So they're very passive in their lives. Uh, and yet the Lord said, in my name, go in my name, do these things. Uh, and so uh, if we're not doing our part, you know, if the Bible says go into all the world to preach the gospel, for example, and if we're sitting around here and go, well, you know, we don't want to do that. That's a lot of work. You know, I mean, you got to buy plane tickets. You got to go eat bad food. I mean, you know, that's a lot of work. We're not going to do that. Is Jesus going to step up and say, all right, well, since you're not going to, I'm going to go ahead and do it for you. No, it doesn't work that way. If the Lord says for you to do it, then it will remain undone until the end of time if you don't do it. Uh, and it's the same thing with authority. If the Lord gave us the authority and he did. Uh, the last chapter of the book of Matthew, right? He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Now go. Uh, so he has signed the authority. Now the church is the highest authority in the earth. So we should be running the earth in a sense of, from a spiritual authority standpoint. And uh, if we choose not to exercise that authority, if we choose not to say, no, I'm not having that sickness and disease. No, you can't come into my house. No, you cannot come into my body. Uh, if we don't exercise that authority, then will God just step up and say, well, since you're not going to do it, I'll do it for you. Now, devil, you leave them alone. Uh, it just doesn't work that way. Has the Lord had mercy on people on occasion? He has. We saw that in the, in the, in the Gospels. But the majority of time in the Gospels, people came to him and said, Lord, uh, heal me. People came to him and they received their healing. Uh, and so what happens in, in the earth, uh, really in the church, is when we don't exercise the authority, when sickness comes our way, you know, the proverbial, Lord, if it be thy will. Uh, they'll say, Lord, if it's your will, then please do something. But we don't know if it's your will. So if you don't want to do something, it's OK. Uh, and that's kind of our prayer. But that's not really much of a prayer, right? It's not asking the Lord to do anything. It's asking the Lord to do something unless he doesn't want to do something. Uh, and so there's no faith in that type of prayer. And yet that's a common prayer in the church, right? Uh, and so if the devil comes... Even in an innocent way, if you've committed no sin, if you've not done anything wrong to, to allow the devil to have license to operate in your life, 
uh, and so, so we're not talking about when you're committing sin and that, that could lead to death. We're just talking about just when, you're, when everything is fine uh, and, and something bad happens, right? Something bad is about to happen. Uh, what, what's your response? Well, your response should be, no, I'm an authority in my life. You have no, no, no right to operate in my life, so you need to be gone in the name of Jesus. And that's the way we need to operate, right? Uh, and, you know, I, I told you uh, uh, one time, this is years ago, I had a, uh, I was driving to work on the interstate, and um, I was in my, my pickup truck, and <clears throat> it had been raining, you know, just kind of like it's been doing for the last, what, uh, 37 days here, right? Uh, just raining, and, and so uh, I hit some water on the interstate, and my truck started to hydroplane, right? So you lose traction, and, uh, and so... <clears throat> So you know you know what to do, right? Oh, you know uh, you usually know what to do. You your your truck starts turning this way, so you turn your steering wheel the other way, you know, to, to get it corrected. Well, since you're hydroplaning, the wheels don't do anything. Uh, and um, I'm looking at my rearview mirror, and there's a there's a semi truck behind me. There's a guardrail on this side, and you know I'm thinking, well, I don't want to hit the guardrail because scratch my truck, you know. And I mean, how these things go all you know through your mind just in a in a split second there, right? Uh, and so, but I'm starting to spin, right? And if I start spin, you know, I could, I mean, I'm going, you know, what, 60, 70 miles an hour. Uh, and uh, you could flip the truck, the truck behind you can run over you. I mean, it just, you know, and then you'd for surely scratch your truck then, right? Uh, and, and so, but just on the inside of me that the scripture rose up that whoever calleth upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Uh, and I know that's talking about salvation in the sense of being born again, but I'm not going to split hairs when the, when the Lord gives you an unction to say something. So I, I just called upon the name of the Lord. I, said, I just called out the name of Jesus. Uh, and when I, when I called out the name of Jesus, then my truck just, just came back into the lane that it was supposed to be in. Uh, and, you know, after uh, just, you know, you're kind of out of your mind for a second and you come back to yourself because I don't know where your mind goes, you know, just, you know, it just goes somewhere else. Uh, and you come back and, you, and I realized, you know, I'm going straight in the lane, but my steering wheel is still pointed that direction because remember I told you I tried to turn my steering wheel. So I'm going straight, but my steering wheel is still pointing in that direction. Uh, and, uh, and so I just kind of quietly, you know, put the steering wheel back the way it's supposed to be. And then after a few miles, and you can breathe again, right? And, and so, um, but, you know, in that case, there was no sin that, 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 that caused that thing to happen. It just happened. And there wasn't even necessarily any demonic oppression in that sense. Now, it could have been. But it could have just been, uh, I didn't have any unction or knowledge from the Lord that it was a demonic attack. It was just nature, right? Uh, water, tires, you know, uh, rain. Uh, it could have just been anything. But he still, he didn't say, you know, he'd give his angels charge over us only when there's a, a demonic attack, right? He said he'd give his angels charge over us all the time. But we are required to operate that authority because the angels operate really under the authority of the church because we're the highest authority in, in the earth, not the angels. We are the highest authority in the earth and the angels are assigned to the church. Now they have assignments directly by God too, uh, but they're assigned to work on behalf of the church. And if the church isn't doing anything, if the church is not exercising authority, then there's nothing for the angels to do. Uh, and so when you say, you know, Jesus, call it the name of Jesus, then the angels uh, go, go, uh, go to work and do whatever that they have to do. In that case, uh, they needed to get uh, that truck back uh, in the right lane. 
Uh, and, and, you know, that whole discussion about that is lost on much of the church. Much church doesn't have any concept of we are the highest authority in the earth. And nothing uh, should be going on in the, in the earth without our direct approval. And that includes in the realm of the natural. That includes the, the political realm. That includes the mental realm. That includes the physical realm. That should include all the realms of the earth that, that we operate in. And all this mess that's going on in, in Washington, D.C., you know, that's not because of some terrible people get elected. Uh, it's because the church is not doing their job. Uh, and it should be the church's responsibility to keep, uh, because in the Bible say, pray for those in authority, right? That we might lead a quiet and peaceable life. Because we're, we're supposed to have the authority so that, so that the, the church dictates what they're doing in Washington so that we are free to preach the gospel. Because everything is only about the advancement of the kingdom of God. It's not about, you know, do I get a, you know, do I get a free this from the government or free that? You know, it's not about any of that stuff. It's about we need to be able to preach the gospel without constraint. Now, the best way to do that is to have a government that stays out of our way to be able to do that. Uh, and when governments start dictating, you know, you go to some countries and the government dictates what you can preach about. You know, well, you can't preach about this, you know, and you got to, you know, uh, and if we don't like it, we're just going to bulldoze your church. Uh, and, um, you know, you think about all the all the Christians in Afghanistan right now. Now that the Taliban's back in charge, you think they're going to uh, uh, coexist with the Christian church? I don't think so. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, our prayers to the to for the uh, for the Afghanistan Christians is for them to understand their authority. Uh, and and so, of course, there's a lot more involved in all, in all that as well. But we're not here to talk about all that. But, but the, the Christian life should be one of authority, that we decide what's going to go on in our lives. And if we happen to commit a sin, we should as quickly as possible get out of that sin and repent of that sin so that the wages of that sin are not hanging over us. Amen? Uh, because the, the law of sowing and reaping is still in effect. And the only way that you can ex- short-circuit the law of sowing and reaping uh, when you commit a sin is uh, by the confession of that sin and obtaining the mercy of forgiveness. Uh, and so and that's why Romans 12 or 6, 3, or 6 23 says the wages of sin is death. So every sin will have to be dealt with. Uh, you can deal with it yourself or you can just uh, hope for the best and roll the dice and, and let it be dealt with in, in the, uh, uh, the courtroom of heaven. Uh, I would encourage you to deal with it yourself. Amen. Deal with it on the earth. Uh, and so uh, let's let's turn back to um, uh, to uh, Ezekiel. Why are you turning over there? Um, let's see. Let's see if we can find that scripture here. Yeah, so over in Ezekiel, uh, chapter 18. So uh, all, all sickness and disease came into the earth because of uh, people sinning. But again, uh, there's a certain amount of inertia that that's happening because of that. And so all sickness and disease is not directly related to a sin that you committed. Amen. All sickness and disease is in the earth because mankind as a whole has sinned. But that doesn't mean that you call, you committed sin Now you could have. Uh, but that but that's not always the case. So, number one, always be careful when you see somebody uh, involved in sickness. Don't stand in their judge and say, well, I wonder what sin they committed. Uh, in order for that to happen. Uh, in fact, uh, I was listening to Lester Summerall the other day. He was talking about the story about uh, there was a group of Christians that had gone somewhere and um, they were um, 
uh, around some out, they were outside doing something and, and one of the, the ladies fell and, and uh, hurt, got hurt really bad. And, you know, she didn't die, but she ended up going to the hospital. Uh, and so all the other kind Christians came to the hospital and started, you know, forcing her to tell them what sin she committed to allow herself to be hurt. Uh, not understanding that all, all things that happen don't happen because of your sin. Amen. You didn't, your, your uh, terrible thing to happen to your life didn't occur because you were in sin. There, there is nature. There is uh, a fallen world. There is um, uh, an enemy that does work out there as a criminal element. So it could have been sin, but it just as well could not have been sin. Uh, and so uh, Lester had to come in there and straighten them all up. And he's pretty good at straightening up people. So if you ever listen to Lester Sharma, much, he'd straighten up, pull all the slack out of you there. Uh, and so, so here in, in Ezekiel, it says in uh, chapter 18, it says in verse uh, 20. Uh, in fact, um, let's start up in verse 17. It says, thou hast taken off his hand from the poor. Thou hast not received uh, usury nor increased. Hath ex- executed my judgments, hath walked in my statutes. He shall not surely die for the, for the iniquity of his, of his father. He shall surely live. So in this case, he's talking about, um, you know, your father was, but you didn't do all those things, bad things that your father did. So it says, he shall not die for the iniquity of his father. He shall surely live. Uh, And then it says in verse 19, uh, yet say ye, why doth not the son bear the iniquity of the father? When the son hath done that which is lawful and right and hath kept all my statutes and hath done them, he shall surely live. Verse 20, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the, of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked, wicked shall be upon him. Uh, and so, you know, one thing, uh, just a little side journey, one thing about these verses that I like is, uh, uh, in fact, we mentioned, we mentioned that phrase this morning. Anybody heard of, of, of uh, generational curses? Right. Well, you know, uh, generational curse. If you sin, you know, it's going to be on your family for the third, the, the third, fourth, or fifth generation, right? So that's a generational curse. And maybe you didn't do anything, but, you know, your grandfather did something wrong, right? And so now you're suffering under that curse. Well, that right there tells you that's not so, right? Uh, in fact, uh, the, the root of that, let's turn back to is Exodus chapter 20, because we need to dispel some myths uh, that people come up with they just say things and then people run with it and nobody ever asks any questions. And all you got to do is just read what the word says and it answers all the questions, right? Ezekiel said, uh, the soul that sinneth, it shall die, but not the one who didn't sin, right? He's not going to bear the nicknames of that. But here in Exodus uh, chapter 20, uh, now this is talking about um, uh, the Ten Commandments here. Uh, but let's start in verse 5. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, talking about false gods, uh, nor serve them for I the Lord thy God am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children uh, unto the third and fourth generation and people stop right there is that where the verse stops it's not where the verse stops so where, what's the next part of the verse of them that what hate me right uh, and so uh, if if a man hates God then, of course, we're now we are in the Old Testament, right? So you've got to be a little careful about this. But if a man hates God, he's going to commit sin. And he's still, whether in the Old Testament, New Testament, he's still going to have to 
uh, pay for the, the, uh, the wages of sin is still death. And so uh, if he hates God, then he will die in his sin. Uh, but then if he raises up his children to hate God, then they will die in that sin. Uh, if, they, if they raise up their children, which are now the man's grandchildren, to hate God, then yeah, that, and a lot of times it'll be the same type of sickness and disease or same type of death that will go through the generation after generation of these people because they all hate God. But if the son rises up and says, you know, I've heard God's pretty good. I think I'm going to follow him. I'm not going to commit all these sins. Is he now subject to that generational curse? No. Uh, so there's no generational curse because generational curse is used a lot of times if you hear it preached, it's used to manipulate people, right? Hey, we're going to break this generational curse. And it sounds great. You know, we're going to break this generational curse. Well, you know, what have you done? Well, I haven't done nothing wrong. Well, let me break that generational curse. Well, if they hadn't done nothing wrong, there's no generational curse. Amen. So because Ezekiel says there's no generation curse. And even if Exodus, where they get that, uh, that foundational doctrine, they don't read the whole verse because it, if you read the whole verse, it dispels with the concept of generational curses. Everybody that hates God is going to die in sin. Uh, you know, I mean, two unrelated people are going to die in sin uh, because they hate God. Uh, and so, uh, so th- there is no really such thing as a generational curse. Now, what does occur is sometimes uh, there are familiar spirits that will hang around families for generations and oftentimes will have uh, sickness and disease follow them from generation to generation. Oftentimes because of the ignorance, uh, and we don't say that in an unkind way, but lack of knowledge of those generations that, hey, I don't have to put up with this. I don't have to yield to this. I don't have to die the same way that my, you know, my grandfather died. And, you know, well, well you know, that runs in my family, you know. Uh, well, if, see, if you say things like that, well, you know, uh, pancreatic cancer that runs in my family. You know, my mama had it. My daddy had it. My uncle on, on my mother's side had it. My great aunt, you know, third, tw- twice removed or whatever had it then what are you doing? Well, you're claiming to die uh, of pancreatic cancer. You're allowing the devil to come in and do that, even though he doesn't have a legal right to do it, but because you've given him a legal right to buy your words, and many times our words um, cost us dearly. Amen? Well, my arthritis. Well, why is it your arthritis? You know, well, my, you know, my McGillicuddy switch is all broken, messed up, you know? Uh, and our words oftentimes are what gives the devil the, the right to come into our lives. So uh, if, if it's, you know, even if it's uh, a multiple generations of people who love God, the devil will still come in if you allow him, uh, and he will try to come in and, uh, and get you to believe, because it's superstitious, right? It gets you to believe, well, that's just your lot in life to bear, that your family is just not a, a healthy family in that area. And they have, you know, and the doctors will come up with some, well, you got some missing some gene or whatever. Uh, but the last time I checked, the Bible says that the Lord, uh, the Lord is our healer. I am Jehovah, your healer. I'm the Lord that healeth thee. We're in Exodus uh, 20 and Exodus 15, 26. He said, I am the Lord that healeth thee. He didn't say, I am the Lord that healeth thee unless you're missing a gene, right? Unless you've got bad genes. Did he say that? Did he limit that? No, he didn't limit that. So, uh, that it, the devil may come to the second generation and try to put that same thing on them. And if that second generation is educated in the word and faith, they'll be like, I don't have to do that. I don't have to put up with that. You know, my dad died of heart disease. Uh, and um, he had his first heart attack when he was 35 years old and died uh, a fairly young man at 58 years old. Well, I'm not going to die of heart disease. 
I'm not going to die of a heart attack. Uh, well, well, you can't say that. Well, it, because my dad is in heaven. I mean, my, my father is in heaven, right? I got a new father. I entered in a new family. I've got pretty good genes. You know, the father, God in heaven, he's got pretty good genes, right? He doesn't have any, any failures in his genes. So, uh, so there's a lot of things. You know, the devil will try to get superstition in the church, try to keep people to believe things that aren't even biblical in the church, like generational curses. You know, when we went, we've been to Africa many times, and that doctrine of generational curses, it's, you know, it's everywhere we went, it was there, right? Because it preaches good. It, it, it keeps people in bondage because the only way you get your generational curse broken is by going to this man over here. So you can't just on your own say, well, I'm not putting up with that. You've got to get a man to do that, right? And, of course, you should give him an offering too, right? Uh, and so there, it's unfortunate that uh, a lot of people in the church believe such things. When, when you just read the word, it doesn't say that. Amen. And I can't tell you how many times people will, will say, they'll, they'll quote something even like this right here. Well, you know, uh, uh, generational curse is going to be on the third or fourth generation, you know. Well, let's just go read that. And you read that, and what's that say? And it's like they've never seen that part of the verse. Of course, they've never actually read the verse. They just heard what somebody said. So, so the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Uh, but uh, again, that's Old Testament, right? Uh, and so will the soul that sin die in the New Testament? They will, but it's just different in the New Testament because all sin has been paid for in the New Testament. So it's more along the lines that, uh, you know, when you sin, you're opening up uh, for the devil to come. It's not, uh, it's not as swift and as uh, de- decisive as it was in the Old Testament. So uh, let's, let's uh, we're in, in Exodus. Any questions about that? Um, you know, that may be a few golden calves we kicked over there. We, uh, we're not uh, trying to kick over anybody's golden calves, but sometimes people just love those. Uh, it's a generational curse. It's a generational curse, you know, uh, except there's no such thing, you know. Uh, uh, yes, ma'am. Well, a lot of times it is because, uh, you know, Jesus said, by your words, you'll be justified by your words. You're going to be condemned. And so your words are very important because, um, you know, the, the, you know, when, when you're confessing things and and, you know, when we think of sin, we often think of robbing a bank, you know, or, you know, you know, kicking a dog or, you know, some horrible thing. But if we're saying this thing over here and that's not what God is saying, then you're missing the mark, right? Uh, and so many times our words are sin that we don't, you know, I mean, just, just things like saying, well, that cost me an arm and a leg, you know, that kills me, or I love him to death, or, you know, all that stuff like that, you're still uh, allowing the devil to operate. And yeah, in that sense, uh, and to be honest, there's lots of times when I've said something kind of casual like that, and I've repented to the Lord. When I, when I got the revelation that that's not the Lord, I will, I will actually repent. Because in my heart, it's just the same thing as sinning. It's the same thing as missing the mark. It's not, it's, you know, we don't say, think it's the same thing as, you know, cheating on your spouse or, you know, uh, um, cussing out at the grocery store or something like that. But it's still missing the mark, right? And missing the mark, it really puts the bar down a lot lower than we want to put it down, right? We want to put the bar up here that, hey, I've not shot anybody, so I'm good. Well, that may be true. You've not shot anybody, but, you know, what have you said today? You know, what, what, what have your words declared today? Amen. Uh, and so, uh, 
yeah, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I have repented for saying just casual things, things that no, no court of law in the whole world would, would uh, find me guilty of any kind of infraction. But the Lord would, you know, his, his perfect justice would. So, uh, so it, and it doesn't mean that we have to be uh, confession police, you know, and things like that. Um, you know, we get into a lot, a lot of um, uh, a lot of condemnation when we say things like, "Well, you know, I don't, I don't feel good today." Well, is that a confession that you never feel good on Mondays, or that you know every time it rains you feel bad? You're not confessing that; you're just stating how you feel today. And a lot of the a lot of the uh, faith people, the confession police, oh, don't say that, you know. Well, there's, there's no statement of faith in that. It's just a statement of fact, right? You don't feel good today. Well, then that's okay, right? Now, if you change that and say, you know, uh, I, just, I just can't get up in the morning. You ever heard people say that? I just can't get out of bed in the morning. Well, that's a statement that says that tomorrow you can't get out of bed. And the day after tomorrow you can't get out of bed. And the day after that you can't get out of bed. So you're declaring your future by your words. And that is a confession, and that is outside the will of God because, you know, Jesus got up early and prayed. He, he went to bed late and prayed. Sometimes he prayed all night. Sometimes he prayed all day. Um, and um, we're supposed to uh, worship the Lord in the morning, in the, in the noonday, right, in the evening. Uh, and so uh, sometimes these things are subtle, and you really have to rely upon the Spirit of God to show you these things. Uh, when you've crossed the line from just declaring or stating a fact that you don't feel well to now you're, you're declaring your future, um, you know, I just can't get out of bed. Well, I mean, then if you're dead, you for sure can't get out of bed, right? So, uh, I mean, so what door are you opening up to the devil when you say things like that, right? Uh, and so uh, he just, uh, and it's not about being so legalistic. It's, it's uh, what's the... What's the condition of your heart that allowed you to say that to begin with? Amen. Uh, and so. So uh, in the New Testament. Uh, yes, sir. Yep. Yep. Right. 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 So what's the question? So I'm, I'm (laughs) 
Um, well, I'm, I don't know that that's the, that's the uh, I, my understanding of this verse is it should be used in a context to do away with the concept of generational curses, right? Uh, and, this, and it goes on to say at the beginning of that verse, right, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. And all he's saying is that you're responsible for your own sins. That's the case in the old covenant. That's the case in the new covenant, right? So somebody else's sins, I'm not responsible for their sins, right? If they sin, it's not on me, right? And, and if, if my father sinned, it doesn't automatically pass to me. So that's, I think that's the whole point of Ezekiel is just to say that sins are not hereditary, right? The payment or the judgment for sins are not hereditary, that each person stands and falls on their own, on their own sin and failures, right? And not due to somebody else's sins and failures. Uh, so now Adam kicked it all off by allowing sin and death to come into the world, but we're not responsible, we're not required to yield to that, right? Um, just because Adam did. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily use that in any context for salvation, because salvation is in Romans 10, 9, and 10, right? Uh, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, and, and that's sufficient, right? Uh, and of course, uh, so, you, you know, you always have to take everything in the Old Testament with a grain of salt from the standpoint of in the New Testament, all sins have been paid for by the blood of Jesus. Right? There are no sins that have not been paid for, but you as an individual must still receive the work of the Lord Jesus in order to gain access to that payment. Amen. So so uh, there's no nobody dies and goes to hell because of a sin co they committed, like robbing a bank or stealing or anything or murder or anything, because that sin's been paid for. So the only sin they, they die and go to hell for is not accepting Jesus and the work that he did for your sin. So because of that, because you chose not to accept the work of the Lord Jesus, then the judgment for your sins are on you, even though they've been paid for, which is kind of silly for people to do that, but people do that every day, right? So um, did that answer your question or was it not? Uh, <laughs> Yeah, 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 no problem. Think about it, and, and uh, uh, we can look at it from lots of different ways, right? Um, but uh, usually what I see is uh, people will take the Exodus uh, 20, verse 5, that the sins uh, will uh, be passed down from the father to the son for the third and fourth generation, right? And so they then develop this concept of generational curses uh, and saying that, you know, there's nothing you can do because you're under a curse. Uh, well, first of all, we're, we live in the New Testament, so all curses have been broken because uh, the curse of the law has been defeated because of the work of the Lord Jesus, right? So, number one, there's not any curses in the New Testament. And number two, it never said that to begin with in the Old Testament. So, but people love to, to develop uh, ideas of things. And there's usually some other motivation other than just trying to help people out um, in, in that area. Um, and so, um, anyone else have any questions? Jared, do you got a question out there? You're just scratching your head. All right, all right. So, um, so, uh, so there, there, is, there is consequence to all sin, right? And, and oftentimes, the consequence is some, some type of sickness and disease. Because, again, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. And that's still, that concept of that sin needs to be judged is, is always true, right? It's not an Old Testament, New Testament. All sin has to be judged. All sin has to be paid for. We have the advantage in the New Testament that all sin has been paid for, but we now have to receive the work of that payment on our behalf, right? Uh, 
And if we choose not to do that, and again, that's where people come up with crazy doctrines because they'll be meditating on the word and go, well, you know, Lord, it seems like all sin's been paid for. And they go, well, you know, all sin has been paid for. Therefore, everybody gets to go to heaven. It's not the way it works, right? Because he did that on your behalf, but you have to accept that. You have to accept the work that he did. And if you choose not to accept it, and people do it every day, right? I don't, I don't believe in Jesus. I don't want any part of the church, you know, a bunch of hypocrites at church. Yeah, but we're all hypocrites going to heaven, you know. I mean, I'd rather be a hypocrite going to heaven than, than being, you know, a perfect saint and die in my sins. Amen. It's just, it's just a smokescreen because that ain't really why they go. They just, they just rebellious, don't want to submit to anybody. Uh, so it's, that's not really the reason, but they say that, right? And so, uh, so, so in the New Testament, how many sins have been paid for? All sins, right? So what about that, that, uh, that uh, uh, robbing the bank that that guy over there did? Has that sin been paid for? Yes. Sure. What about, the, what about if he, you know, uh, runs a red light tomorrow? Has that been paid for? Uh, what if he murders somebody the day after that? Has it been paid for? It is, right? And people, so people have a hard time. Even Christians have a hard time with that concept that that sin's been paid for right now. Because is Jesus ever going to go back to the cross? Never. Is he ever going to shed another drop of blood? Never going to shed another, and the blood of Christ is what, what cleanses us from all sin, right? Uh, and so, uh, so there are no sins that are outstanding that will ever be committed again uh, before the last sin is committed that have not already been paid for. So uh, then we need to understand. Well, then why do people go to why do people go to hell at all? You know, why do people why do people get sick uh, at all? Even as a church, right? If the sin's been paid for, but you committed a sin. Why did that open up the door to the devil? Uh, and again, it goes back to, well, you didn't receive, uh, number one, you didn't receive the work for the payment of that sin. You're still under the payment and the, the wages of that sin until you receive the forgiveness for that. Uh, and so that's why you should repent quickly, amen? Uh, because you don't, you don't want to stay under, that, uh, under the payment for that sin. Uh, and there's grace along their way there too, right? So it's not that, you know, the second you commit a sin, the devil uh, can come and kill you. There, there seems to be, at least in the New Testament, a long suffering that it comes along with those things. Uh, and sometimes it lulls the church into a false sense of security. That they commit a sin and the earth doesn't open up and eat them immediately. So therefore they got away with it. And some people kind of get that, play that mind game. Well, I did it, nothing bad happened, so I must have got away with it. Did you get away with it? No, you never got away with it, right? Uh, and so, so let, let's uh, go back to uh, uh, where in where where are we? Where are you right now? You should be in Isaiah, in Isaiah right? Are you in Isaiah? Uh, turn to Isaiah chapter fifty-three. Uh, uh, and so. Uh, so, of course, we like Isaiah 53, right? It's a good, it's a good chapter there. Uh, it says here in verse 3, he is despised. So this is a prophecy talking about the Lord Jesus, right? So when it says he, it's talking about Jesus. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And that word griefs and sorrows is sickness and disease or pains. Um, Surely he has borne our griefs or sickness and disease and our sorrows or our pains. Yet we dis- esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. 
But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. And so have we ever heard that last phrase, with his stripes, we are healed? Where was that quoted in the New Testament? Where at? Yeah. Yeah, the first part was uh, from Matthew eight seventeen, right? Uh, where it says that uh, he had borne our, uh, actually, uh, verse 4 there, or, um, uh, where it says he carried our sorrows, uh, he bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. So that part is Matthew eight seventeen. And the last part of verse 5 is First Peter two twenty four. by his stripes we are healed. Uh, and so we can follow this, this um, prophecy from the Old Testament to the Gospels to the New Testament. So it's pretty consistent all through there. And it says all in verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. So is there anyone who has not committed a sin? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, right? Uh, and so if all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, then all of us need a Savior. So the only one who's lived without sin in the earth was the Lord Jesus. Uh, and all of us, uh, he said, we're, we're like sheep and we have gone astray. And in, in other words, we've missed the mark somewhere in our life. And we have turned uh, everyone to his own way. Uh, and it says, and the Lord has laid on him, the, the Lord uh, God, the father has laid on him, the Lord Jesus, the iniquity of us all. So uh, God took, you know, and, and how this happens, I don't understand how, how God can figure this out, but he looked out across all eternity and he summed up all the judgment for all the sin and said it's going to cost this much to redeem mankind, to pay for all that sin, to pay for the judgment for all that sin so that judgment doesn't have to occur. <clears throat> and he said, okay, then it's going to take the blood of Jesus to equal that payment. And so, the, so he laid... All of that iniquity, all the sins that we did on the Lord Jesus so that he did that uh, uh, on our behalf. Amen. Uh, and that just shows how kind that he was uh, to do that for us. So, again, we're in the Old Testament, but we're looking forward to the New Testament here as he prophesies about the coming of the Lord and what, he, what he's done. So he knew that there was a sin problem. He knew that sin problem would cause a, a death problem and a sickness problem. And so uh, if he cuts off... Uh, the issue of sin, then there's no wages of that sin, right? So there's no sickness and disease and, and death going to occur, occur about because of that. Uh, and so now we will still all die, but we don't have to die in sickness and disease. Amen. Uh, and so uh, none of us are promised to live forever in this body because we have the sin nature in this flesh. And as long as there's sin nature in this flesh, it's, it's going to cause our bodies to decay over time and in the perfect will of God it will still decay but it's going to decay at a very slow rate uh, and um, you know you don't have to decay by sickness and disease but you know you will get older amen and you might get some gray hair and you might get some wrinkles and you know along the way right uh, and so it's it's going to decay over time amen uh, that doesn't mean you have to be weak and decrepit and and uh, and sickly uh, but eventually it uh, it, it is not designed uh, the way it is with the sin nature to live forever on the earth. Uh, and so um, while we're about out of time here, let's, let's turn over to, uh, 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 we're in, in Isaiah, turn to chapter one there. So the Lord knew about the problem with sin, with sin and, um, <clears throat> and here we are in Isaiah 
So this is about 700 years before Jesus came. So he's prophesying uh, about the coming of the Lord. So this is, you know, of course, several thousand years after Adam. So it just took a long time to get the redemption to, to come to pass uh, in the earth. Uh, and so uh, he says here in uh, chapter 1, verse 18, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Uh, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be uh, red like crimson, yet they shall be as wool. So, uh, so again, he's prophesying about what's to come. He's going to take care of the sin problem. And if we, get, if we could understand this, then we would not, uh, as a church, we would not subject ourselves to, uh, well, you know, Sowing or reaping, I committed some sin, you know, even though I've been asked for forgiveness for that sin. But because I committed that sin, I, you know, I'm doomed to, to live under the, the failing of that sin. Well, I thought he washed you white as snow. And I thought that uh, your uh, sins were red like crimson, but now they're as wool. So I thought Jesus took care of it. And this is a prophecy of what Jesus was going to do for us. Amen. So, yes, it is true that that sin and sickness go together. But in the New Testament, we have the great advantage that we can ask for forgiveness. Uh, now, you know, I'm not the judge of mankind. I don't know where the balance of the scale of that justice is. Because there are some Christians who just sin and repent, sin and repent, sin and repent. Will that catch up with them? Well, eventually it does, right? Because, uh, you know, we've all seen that happen. Uh, but it doesn't mean that if you commit some sin, that you're doomed for the rest of your life because you've committed that sin. Uh, there, there surely has to be a way out because uh, the Lord knew that uh, uh, from a practical standpoint, I don't know that anybody lives without sin. Uh, just from a practical standpoint, I'm not saying that everybody's terrible people. I'm just saying that, you know, sometimes you get in a bad mood and you say something you shouldn't say or do something you shouldn't do. Uh, and uh, we're not excusing it. We're not saying it's OK. We're just saying that uh, uh, because of the sin nature that's with us, we just have a tendency to do that on occasion. You go read Romans chapter 7. Paul talked a lot about that. Uh, but we can live without the fear of these things. Amen. And my encouragement to every Christian is your heart should be to always follow the Lord. Your heart should always be to do what's right. Your heart should always be to follow the word of God explicitly, right? And, and as closely as you possibly can and minimize how much sin you ever commit. And you, and you can and should go for days, weeks, months, and perhaps even years without committing a sin. Uh, and so you're not required to, to sin like the world does, which is every day, right? Uh, you, can, you can go for a long period of time without that. Uh, and so... Uh, so uh, uh, we've got just, if you've got just a minute, we'll just read the last verse here there. Go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We just happened to read this uh, verse this morning also. So I guess this morning was a precursor to all of this, right? Uh, so in all of these things, you know, as if we understand that sin and sickness and death are all related, um, then it can help us to stay in a healthy way because... If we understand that there are consequences to your sin and, and um, what you don't want to do is give license to the devil to operate freely in your life by committing sin, uh, then uh, you can avoid a lot of problems in life. Uh, and and in, in my heart, these things all make sense. You know, I don't know if I know everything, but, but all, the way all this stuff works, uh, it just kind of makes sense to me that the Lord dealt with sin. We should minimize that sin and we have a right to live free from sickness and disease. Uh, but he said in verse uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, 
Uh, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of the supernatural miracle work and power of God. So the world thinks it's dumb. Whatever you talk about, they think it's foolish. All the sin stuff and you know, all that, what are you talking about? You know? To them, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, but it doesn't really matter whether it makes sense to them or not. It's still so. Amen. Uh, and if we'll preach this the way the word is written, then we give people a way out to live a life, a healthy life in their in their lives. Instead of this, you know, I mean, so many people believe in generational curses and so many people believe in, in um, uh, sowing and reaping uh, that is unchangeable. Uh, sowing and reaping is a valid uh, biblical doctrine, but it is changeable. It's changeable by the mercy of God. Amen. Uh, and so uh, otherwise, there, there's no point in mercy. Amen. The whole point of mercy is for the guilty. Uh, and so uh, so uh, it can be foolish. And sometimes even the church thinks it's foolish uh, when you talk about some of these things. But it's still so. Amen. Uh, and so um, uh, so we'll, we'll do the questions next week. Then uh, I think that's the end of, of the chapter there. We'll pick up the questions next week. That gives you a whole week to get the questions answered there. Uh, and uh, we'll pick up uh, chapter four next week. So uh, why don't we pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. And we thank you, Father, uh, that we can be free from sickness and disease. And Father, we don't have to bear the sins of our forefathers. Uh, we, we live and die, Father, uh, on our own. And so, Lord, we choose to follow your word. We choose to to ask for forgiveness. We choose to uh, to walk in faith, Father, and check our words. And so, Lord, we thank you for these things. We thank you that it's your desire to heal us and to cause us to stay strong and healthy in our lives. And we give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, praise God. Well, that, that was a... Um, I think that was a pretty good uh, chapter there talking about those things. And, and um, really, I think you could even go into some more details about some of that, those concepts there. Um, uh, and so let's get ready to receive this afternoon's offering. I have found that, you know, in, in the church, when you start talking about things like sin and forgiveness, it's, it's really hard for people to have any grace in that area that they some people are really I think that. And I think it's because in their mind that they're not, they're not sinning. And so because they're not sinning and other people are, then, you know, they should suffer the consequences of that, which is kind of in pride, which is itself a sin. Right. But, you know, they don't really see that kind of sin. Right. They see, you know, stealing and murdering as a sin, but not holding uh, harboring ill will against your brother or sister as a sin. Right. Uh, or saying things that are that are not in faith by faith, you know, uh, is a sin, which they are. Right. Uh, and so come ahead, Mr. Jared, and receive the offering. And of course, we know that Romans 8, uh, what was it, 832, this is what it, whatever is not a faith is sin. Uh, and so uh, and that kind of covers everything right there, right? So if you're saying words that are not of faith, then what are they? Well, they're in sin, right? And so, uh, so just be careful about those things. But, um, you know, no license to sin. We're not giving people license to sin, saying that just sin as much as you want to. There's no consequences. There are always consequences to sin. Uh, but you can deal with that uh, through the, the prayer of forgiveness. Amen. Uh, and so uh, anybody's goal to sin, please don't raise your hand. You know, <laughs> it's a rhetorical question. Uh, but, uh, oh, yeah, I, I, sign me up. Or I sign up for that. Uh, no, it's uh, no, I don't I don't believe any any sincere Christian's goal is to sin. Amen. 
Uh, and so, well, be blessed. Have a wonderful weekend, Lord, and uh, we'll see you next Sunday.